So it's very common for people to say that the fantasy genre is a genre that looks back while science fiction looks forward. And I could not disagree with that more vehemently. Both genres, when written well, but especially fantasy, is a genre that looks within. And that's what we're going to be talking about on today's Project Shadow. Hello, everyone. How are you doing today? My name's Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, especially if you're reading my latest book, Crucify My Love. And yeah, today I'm taking on what I feel is a slander at the fantasy genre. And not, not wrong meaning, because I do think a lot of people do see it this way and do use it this way, but that's not what makes the fantasy genre good or interesting. And as somebody who likes to write in it and who likes to write space fantasy and everything else, I'm going to stand up for my thing. But before we get into all that, if you haven't already, please take a moment to rate this podcast in whatever app you're listening to me on. It really does help out a lot. It tells the algorithm to share the podcast with more people. The more people that listen, the bigger the community, the bigger the community, the better the chance we will communicate with each other. And after all, that's why I do this podcast in the first place. All right, let's just go. Okay, so fantasy genre. What is fantasy? To me, fantasy is anything that involves magic. I am very simple about that. If the story does not have magic in it, it is not fantasy, even if it has magical creatures. It could be some play on folklore or fairy tale or what have you, because those don't necessarily have to be fantasy or have fantasy elements in them. But for me... All fantasy has magic, and it may be very overt magic, such as in the Harry Potter books, where people are casting spells and flashing their wands around, or it could be much more subdued fantasy, like in a lot of the Conan books, where, well, it's kind of imbued into the setting. So there are magical items and artifacts and occasional wizards and sorcerers and whatnot. But for me, for something to contain fantasy, for something to be fantasy in the slightest, it has to have some concept of magic. That could be the divine magic that exists within the Lord of the Rings. That could be pretty much, well, a wide gamut of things. But that's also why the Dragon Riders of Pern books are not fantasy. They're clearly science fiction. The dragons of Pern were genetically engineered. There is no magic in the setting. The thread is not magical. The going between and fast travel that exists in the setting, not magical. It's all rooted in, even if a uh, broad understanding of science, it is based in a scientific world view. Now, this is my second thing, my second rule. A fantasy. Fantasy does not have to neglect, reject, or be set in opposition to science and technology. The two do not have to be mutually exclusive. 
and in fact, stories are often improved by having the two work together in some way, shape, or form, at least from my point of view. But I would say anything that has magic in it is fantasy, and that would include a lot of horror novels with their ghosts and demons and things of that nature, and that would spread out into quite a few genres. I I would say the Fast and Furious movies are fantasy because they're all doing some kind of magic car foo that allows them to get away with things that in the real world you couldn't actually do. So my definition may seem restrictive, but it's, it's actually quite broad. Now, the reason a lot of people think that fantasy is a backwards-looking genre is because it is often set in a medieval context. It is often set in what appears to be the past, even though, for the stories themselves, it is the present. With the rare exceptions, such as the Silmarillion and what have you, which are actually looking back at the past of the setting and are considered books written by the characters involved. The same is true with The Hobbit, which is the recollections of Bilbo Baggins, and so on. But just because they're looking backwards does not mitigate what they actually are. These are stories about introspection. The Silmarillion is filled with it. The Lord of the Rings is filled with it. It may not come across to you if you're not paying attention to the story and you're getting distracted by all the things that are happening. But there's a deep meditation on the purpose of war, the creation of war machines, and what justifies violence. What justifies one group killing another group? And if it's ever truly justified, or if it is merely a necessary evil. That introspective thread goes through all of the Lord of the Rings. What does it mean to be a good ruler? And yes, Tolkien may come down on the divine right of kings side of things, but he also comes down on the virtues of Aragorn, and that it's his virtue as much as his blood that makes him properly king. Fantasy is, by nature, introspective, because magic is introspective. Magic, when put into a story, is the ability for the character's inner life to escape them and affect the outside world. Magical monsters, magical demons, same thing. They're the fears of the society, able to escape the limits of just being a thought form and coming into the world to attack and harass people. This is the heart of the fantasy genre. And while you can just read it as pure escapist entertainment, if that's what you want to do, and trust me, I don't have anything against you if that's something that you want to do, because, well, we all kind of just want to escape sometimes, don't we? I know I do. But understanding that this is how the story works, that this is how these settings are designed to work. Once you understand that, once you get that, then you start seeing the depth that's put into them. The mysteries that are revealed through the magic and the arcane elements are the 
externalized psyche of either the characters, the societies that they live in. And once you start to understand that, and once you start seeing exactly how that works, how that functions within a fantasy setting, the deeper meaning and the deeper understanding that's available to you there comes forward. This is one of the reasons why a lot of people like myself are really into kaiju stories. A kaiju is the living embodiment of our fear of nature, our fear of technology, our fear of powers beyond our immediate control. Anything that is beyond our ability to rein in and manipulate, that is perfect fodder for a kaiju. And before you start to say, where's the magic in a Godzilla story? The... the radiation that creates Godzilla is magic. The radiation that Godzilla subsists on is magic. The power that allows Gamera to turn into a flying saucer is magic. Like I said, magic is not just casting spells. It's that break from the normal. It's that power that arises from either the setting, the characters, or their actions that embodies exactly what they're feeling, thinking, or wanting to do. It is desire made manifest in so many ways. And that's what makes it powerful. Now this can be blindingly obvious, like it is with the emotional spectrum in the Green Lantern stories, where you have green symbolizing willpower, and yellow, fear, red is rage, and so on and so forth. Now, that can be quite literal, as you're seeing built in there, or it can be a bit more subtle, like in the Wizarding World stories, where to be able to perform the Cruciatus Curse, you actually have to wish harm. It's not enough just to point your wand at somebody and say, Crucio, you have to mean it. You have to want them to feel pain. You have to want them to suffer. And so that internalized anger, rage, hatred, and violence gets manifested through the wand and through the spell into the torture and pain that the character feels when hit by that curse. And so when you start looking at this and you look at the kind of person that Bellatrix is, she revels in the Cruciatus curse. She revels in causing pain to others. She revels in the pain that others inflict. She serves Lord Voldemort in this sycophantic way because she needs domination in her life. She feels that her life is completely untethered and without control unless it is entirely reined in and entirely controlled. So while She gives this outward appearance of being chaotic, of being insane and crazy. Everything that she does, everything that she brings about in the story, is all about control and domination. And that's how you can use the magic to see behind the curtain. Now, I understand how a lot of that may sound like stuff that you are used to. 
And it probably is. If you're a fan of the fantasy genre, it probably does. And in a lot of ways, this episode really isn't tailored necessarily towards you. Because what I'm trying to get at here is this idea that I hear way too much by people that are outside of the genre, who aren't entirely fans of the genre, or who are skeptical about it, who basically have this notion and have been putting forward this propaganda out into the world that fantasy fiction is always about looking backwards. That fantasy fiction is a nostalgic form of fiction and what we actually have in science fiction and literature are forward-looking or inward-looking. And it makes for a nice dichotomy when you're trying to lay out your thesis that see the way you can understand the genres is one looks back one looks forward one looks in and it gives you nice hallmarks but they're not accurate and that's where i get really frustrated and i think my frustration is showing mainly because when i tell people that i write fantasy fiction they almost always ask hmm do I write for kids? Uh, that's one that I get a lot, and I have to explain, no, I don't. I'm thinking about doing a series of, uh, I don't know if they'll be middle grade or YA books, but I'm looking at that. I have an idea. But I don't necessarily write for children. And there's this understanding or idea that you either write smut or you write for children when you're doing fantasy. And I get where that's coming from, and that's because most fantasy films are geared towards children, and Game of Thrones, well, was smutty. <laughs> I mean, there's no way to get around it. I mean, as much as I loved the earlier seasons until it literally ruined itself in the end, it, it, it's a smutty show. There's a lot of nudity and unnecessary nudity and unnecessary sex just to try to keep people interested and entertained. And fantasy is so much more than that. It's more than the dragons and the wizards and the spells and the swords. Fantasy is about taking everything that you want to talk about, all the metaphors that you want to include in the story and making them real, making them tangible, making them forces that the characters have to face and interact with. J.K. Rowling could have written a story about racism and fascism and set it in Germany in the 1930s or the United States in the present day. Because, yay. But, that was sarcastic, by the way, if you didn't catch it, because apparently people's sarcasm meters don't go off when they should sometimes. But no, she embodied fascism. Fascism is the thing that you think gets destroyed, that you think died. That this miracle event occurred and killed it and it's gone forever. But it's always trying to find its way back in the most innocuous ways. It's that one teacher who's corrupting the school and trying to bring it back. It's that diary, that book that just lingers around, corrupting those that get their hands on it. It's in the sporting event that tricks us into 
literally sacrificing ourselves for the state and for the greater good. And so all of those elements get recontextualized. They get re-mythologized. All of those internal feelings and internal ideas get clad in new clothing. And you can see them. You can see the eternal hope that fascism will fall in the phoenix that lives in Dumbledore's office. All of these things that would just be symbols in literature are tangible. They're interactable. They're something that you have to confront. They're something you have to face. Harry gets a better understanding of how these things work because he falls victim to some of them. He has to learn exactly how the Cruciatus Curse works. He has to learn how mind control actually functions and debate the morality of his actions at every step of the way. This is what good fantasy does. It brings those things out. And it's one of those ways to understand whether or not an author really gets it or not if there's no deeper meaning to the fantastical elements. The one ring to rule them all is that one thing that every society thinks will make it self-perfect, it will make it better, whether that's racial purity or another country's oil reserves or stopping that villainous group that we've declared villainous because we have. Whatever it is, the one ring stands in for all of those ideas because that's not what people are fighting for. They're all fighting for that flag. They're fighting for that symbol. They're fighting for that idea. They may even be fighting for that ideal, but in the end, it's not what they're really doing. In the end, they're fighting because they're told to. They're told the story And the story convinces them. The One Ring is symbolic of that MacGuffin that almost every war pretends to be about. Every war has its MacGuffin. Every tyrannical leader has its MacGuffin. And that is just simply put into the One Ring. And the evil of Morgoth and the evil of Mordor. It's all there open for the eyes to see. And when we dig into any of these fantasy books, no matter what they be, we see all of those elements laid bare, but in ways the characters actually have to interact with them, in ways the characters actually have to experience them, because they're not abstracted anymore. If I had to give my one-sentence explanation for what fantasy fiction is. Fantasy fantasy fiction is fiction that takes the abstract and turns it into something concrete that the characters have to deal with. And that's what it is. Whether it's literally death being embodied, a natural disaster, an atomic bomb, whether it's fascism, whatever it is, once you take that abstraction and make it concrete and something that they have to cope with that has power over them 
that is fantasy fiction. And it may not be a good definition, but it's one that has served me over the years. And I'm sorry for being a bit ranty today, but uh, I I just need to get this off my chest because I've been seeing a lot of people talking down about fantasy fiction lately. And as a fantasy author, that kind of, you know, rubs me the wrong way. And I'm also sorry if this podcast is very loud in the background. Um, My cats are being very uh, needy today and I'm not able to work in my normal office because given the weather, my knees are not allowing me to. So I apologize if there's a lot of extraneous noise in the background. I'm sorry. But if you did enjoy this episode and you haven't already, please do take a moment to rate it in whatever app you're listening to me on. It really does help out a lot. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like to hear discussed on the show, I would love to hear from you. In the show notes, you'll find a link to the voice message system. Keep it short, keep it clean so I can use it on the show. Or you can hit me up on Instagram and Twitter. I'm C. Dorset on both. You can find links to everything that I do over at projectshadow.com. If you have a dollar you can pass my way, it really would help out a lot. And that those same show notes, you'll find a link to both my Patreon and the listener support page. The difference between the two is the people on Patreon occasionally get stuff, and I would like to say thank you to everyone who does that. That really does mean the world to me. If you don't have any money right now or you don't feel like giving, that's fine. But if you know anybody you think would like the work that I do, please do share it with them. That helps out immensely as well. I want to say thank you so much for listening. I am desperately trying to get ready for National Novel Writing Month. And as you can tell, I'm a little bit frayed as a result of it. But we'll get there. We'll get there together. I'm actually planning to record two pep talks for Nano that will be coming out next month as I'm pre-recording episodes so that you can still get your daily show and I get time to write. So until next time, don't forget, have the fun. Bye.